This is Speaking of Speaking. Quick tips and tools to take you from stage fright to spotlight. This podcast gives you an inside look from the world of public speaking and the speaking secrets you need to be bold from the stage, no matter what business you're in. The host of Speaking of Speaking, Carl Richards. Thank you, Matt. It is another edition of the Speaking of Speaking podcast. So blessed to have another guest joining us today. Before I introduce her, did you know we are gearing up to the 100th episode? We are just a few episodes away from episode 100. We're planning something really special for that, but every episode is special here on the Speaking of Speaking podcast. So we're glad that you can join us. And we're also glad that Hilda Gann is joining us today. Now, Hilda Gann is the founder and chief people officer of People Bright Consulting, an HR consultant and leadership and team training company. She's an international best-selling author as well, motivational speaker, leadership and team trainer, and the Rev Up Your Potential creator. Hilda loves to work with business owners and businesses who see people as their greatest assets. By the way, she's also a podcaster. She is the host of the Rev Up Your Potential podcast, which we'll make sure the link for you to catch her podcast are in the show notes as well as all the other information that we're talking about today with Hilda. Hilda, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Carl. A pleasure to be here. I am so glad that we can finally have this conversation. I know it's been a long time coming. You and I, we've been connected. We're recording this in the latter part of May of 2022. And I think it's been almost eight months that we've been back and forth with chatting (laughs) and getting things going. Well, we both have podcasts, so that keeps us on our toes, right? For sure, for sure. Yeah, but so glad that we can do this. One of the things we're going to cover today, Hilda and I were talking about this just a few moments ago, is we're going to talk about difficult conversations. We're not going to have, I hope, a difficult conversation. I hope it will be very seamless, actually, (laughs) as we go. But Hilda is an expert in how to go about having those difficult conversations. But to get into that, I want Hilda to give a bit of her backstory and tell us about RevUp, because that space that you've created, and for a very good reason. Sure. Maybe I'll talk by, it's a recipe for how we became successful as a company. People Bright is my current company, but I am a serial entrepreneur. And my husband and I, in the mid-90s, started an engineering company. He's the engineer, I'm the nurse. And he said, I want to start a company. And the premise was, let's make it different. Let's make it a place where people feel challenged professionally to grow as well as they love to come to work. Now, how cool is that? But how is like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. But we did it. We made that happen. We created places where people felt like they were growing professionally year by year. And we made it where people love to come to work. People would ask us when we were going to have our anniversary party because they didn't want to book their trip because they wanted to be at the anniversary party. Like I know from experience, my husband would kind of say, hmm, I'm wondering if we're busy (laughs) during the anniversary party. So fast forward, when we were 10 years old, we said, we've been doing this for many years now. We think we've got a great company. Our staff are telling us that. Let's put it out there. Mm -hmm. So we put our names out there for the best workplaces in Canada. And we were ranked number nine the first year and number the second year. So we said, we created this and it's validated. It's validated because it's a survey-based assessment based on your staff and the managers. When we sold the business, I thought, what do I want to do next? And of all the things I loved, I love dealing with people. And I thought, now, how do I articulate quickly what we did? What was that magic recipe? And that's Mm -hmm. what I came up with is rev up. And I say, rev up your potential. 
Imagine what you could do if you can rev up your potential. And rev up is an acronym for the success that iTrans had. It stands for treat people with R, respect. Look at them as equals V, value who they are. And then the secret sauce, look at their uniqueness and tap into that potential. So we tried to create a culture where people looked at each other respectfully, treating each other as equals. Your job is equally important as my job, that kind of equality. And then value who they are by recognizing, rewarding. But the key is uniqueness. All of us have gifts, superpowers. And if we can tap into those uniquenesses, that makes you happy doing what you want to do. So by tapping into that potential, we really did help rev up our company, rev up our team. And that's where rev up your potential, like my podcast, and rev up your people leadership skills, as in my training, comes in to play. Well, first off, congratulations on the success of what you've built to be you know, one of the top companies in, in Canada in that space is, is phenomenal. And to be able to put something out there that is focused in this area, we'd like to think that a lot of companies focus like this, but in your experience, because we've talked about this off mic, that there are a lot of companies that don't focus on people's potential. They don't focus on their uniqueness. They focus on, do you fit into this cookie cutter solution? And are you going to just not rock the boat and just work for me because. Or if you have a weakness in this area, we're going to send you to school for if you're quiet and shy. Let's send you off to school to communicate better. Right. No, no. Yeah. Tap into that person's abilities, nurture those abilities, and they'll shine. They'll shine. And what you've created in doing so is that concept within organizations especially your own, of course, is you know playing nice in the sandbox. We talked about that, about playing nice in the sandbox, building that trust and relationship, and really making it so that people like to come to work with you, that people want to come to work with you. Yeah. I remember this person who started with us, he was a project manager and, you know, I'd walk around and I'd talk and I would check in and I said, how's it going? He says, it's pretty good. You know, I can count on my hand. So I was going to think, okay, what's he counting on his hand? (laughs) And what he said was, I can count on my hand the number of people that I really feel are not doing their job or I don't get along with. I went, whew, (laughs) it's not the other way around. But I think that's a testament to the fact that we nurtured people. And what I realized after we sold the companies, we hired people whose values emulated what we were trying to create. So they were also people that wanted to make people feel valued, that wanted to make it a good place to work and fun. So what we ended up hiring was ambassadors to create this kind of perpetual, ongoing, goodwill, play nice in the sandbox kind of company. And those companies who really get it, you know, they're companies that just look at profit and they don't balance that with people. Those companies, yeah, they make profit, but they have high turnover. And so their profit could be higher if they just looked at the balance of make your company a win-win situation, make the staff winning team and make your profit and sales a winning. And you actually have two to three times more sales and profit. It's been proven in magazines like Forbes and Fortune that you do have two to three times more sales and profit when you have a people-centric and a sales-centric kind of company. 
versus only about the business? Well, people is what drives any company. I mean, we can say it's sales, but if your people aren't happy, guess what? I mean, things aren't going to happen. You could fake it. And I know there are a lot of companies that will report, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too much, but I know there are companies that will report, well, profits are up, but you know they've had, as you indicated, high employee turnover, or they've let a lot of their workforce go. So that's how they have profit. As I said, we won't go down that rabbit hole too much, but the environment that you've created and what you share with clients is huge. And from a speaking perspective, because I want to get into this, because we're going to talk about how to have those difficult conversations with people. And I know you have some in-depth knowledge and some really great tools to help people, which you'll be sharing. But a lot of this is about how we talk with people as soon as they walk in the door. How are we communicating with them when they're a brand new person, when they've been around a month, two months, three months, 10 years, however long they've been with you? What's the communication strategy and how are we embracing that? And how are we, you know, you call it playing nice in the sandbox, but it's the communication that you're using as well to enforce positivity all the way through. Yeah. I mean, it is that rev up concept, that approach of really what you're trying to do is create trusting relationships trusting relationships amongst coworkers, between your manager and your team. When you create trusting relationships, people feel safe. They feel okay to open up and share things and speak some truth. When you can't do that, then you start to create a toxic environment and you create a us versus them mentality versus a we culture. We're in it together. We are a team. So there is no us and them. And to me, I really focus on trying to build those teams and to try to build managers for their speaking people management skills. Because I think that's the one thing that often people, when they're hired, they're into managerial roles. They're hired because they've got good organizational skills, project skills, and they're good at the technical aspects. But the people skills are just a sidebar for promotion. And many people don't even get education to learn those skills. They don't get it in school. They don't get it, you know, during their time with the company. And yet that is the one piece that's going to help build your team, build longevity, build productivity. And that's the piece that's missing in a lot of companies. And that's my passion is trying to help people get better teams through educating them to what I'll call build trust, uplift and motivate your teams. And in having solid communication skills, it's going to help have conversations, especially the ones that are considered difficult conversations. So let's slide into that a little bit. When we say the term difficult conversations, what exactly are we referring to here? Difficult conversations are conversations you want to avoid many people. And studies show that sometimes people will spend two weeks avoiding a conversation. It's either an awkward conversation or you feel it's going to be confrontational or emotions which you can't control, either your own or on the other side. So difficult conversations can be, for example, somebody who's told you that they've got cancer and they won't be able to work and they're in tears. It can be somebody who's a performance issue or somebody you're terminating, or you want to get a raise and you don't know how to say it, right? (laughs) So those are some of those awkward moments because you don't know what the outcome will be and you don't know the person's response on the other side. And so people do avoid those conversations and they're costly. One U.S. study said it costs $7,500 
per a situation where there is avoidance that ends up in a costly conversation. People won't say, hey, we're doing this all wrong. We really should be approaching it this way. So, you know, two months later, they finally get around to it and it's cost a lot of money. And sometimes it's simpler things than that too. Wow. And I think a lot of people, when they think difficult conversations and you touched on one of them, they think about the termination. That's the difficult conversation. But to say that there are other difficult conversations that especially the, how do you ask for a raise? That's definitely the one that I think- It's actually on the top 10. It's on the top 10 Is it? Okay. (laughs) Having worked in the corporate culture, at least at the level that I did, that asking for a raise, it was easier to draw blood from a stone because there was no asking for a raise. It was an annual thing. Everyone was in the same type of cookie cutter solution for raises, unless you were above a certain level of management. And then there were maybe some performance based, or if you were of a higher level management, you might've had a bonus structure that was built in for most people within the organizations I worked in at the corporate level. It was your one and a half to 2% a year. And that's what you vibe for based on your performance evaluation was that. So there was never a conversation because the conversation would have went something like this. Yes, you will get a raise possibly at this time of year, whenever it's going to be, right? It was almost a non-starter, but let's dive deeper into this because you've actually created a guide, but what are some examples of what people need to be considering if they're either going into a difficult conversation or if they need to have a difficult conversation? What are some things that people need to consider? So when I began to do training, I thought, oh, I'm going to teach people how to have difficult conversations. And then I realized, all I'm doing is helping you with a Band-Aid. And then I created a training program to help you with the front side of how to communicate effectively. So you build those trusts that you learn to motivate and uplift people. And then when you have a difficult conversation, it won't be as traumatic because there's a trust element, a relationship already built. But Nonetheless, the steps that I'm going to suggest will help you with your Band-Aid, but really you should continuously improving how you present yourself as a leader, as a communicator, whether you're a coworker or a manager. So one thing I say is the hardest thing is the opening. How do you start the opening? And if you start it wrong, it's going to escalate into a fighting you know, match of anger and shouting. So the first thing you do is you start from a place of neutrality. So Mm. instead of saying, you've been slacking off lately, right off the bat, my defenses are up. Sure, yeah. Versus state the facts. I have noticed, or I have been told, or whatever it's going to be, I've noticed that on three occasions last week, you came in an hour or two late. Tell me what's going on there. I have not said you're lazy, you know, what's wrong with you. I have just stated a fact. So to me, the opening line is the key. You start from a place of neutrality. I'm helping somebody right now with their difficult conversation they're going to have. And instead of the neutral fact, she said, you are disengaged, you are not committed, and you are late. And so all of a sudden, you've judged the reason why. So I said, remember what I told you, state a neutral fact, you know, the work that you gave me, I had to return. So that's a quality issue, but you don't say it's a quality issue. The work that you gave me, I think we misunderstood each other. Let's talk about that. Right. So don't state why you think the person had it, just state the fact. Then the second thing is once you stated that neutral fact, listen, 
And mm. I know your mind is going and thinking, oh, yeah, yeah. Now, yes, definitely they're lazy, they're whatever. No, just open your mind and just listen. And then when you think your brain has got the solution, listen again and say, tell me more. So just keep it going until you think that you've way overheard too much. Because I think we cut ourselves too short in terms of listening. Once you've listened, then say, so this is what I'm hearing. And let's talk about it some more. So then you want to then kind of acknowledge what the interpretation is now that you know the facts from both sides. Then look towards seeking solutions collaboratively. Because once you dictate the solution, they're not going to do it. It's got to come both ways. The fourth point I want to make is don't forget to say you don't know. If you don't know something, don't try to fake it. Just don't say, make it up. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, but I better check with our, say it's a person who possibly will be going on disability. I don't know about our disability plan, but let me check on that for you. Or I don't know our policy exactly about this, but let me follow up with that. And then make sure you follow up with whatever the action plan that's going on with whether they're continuing to do the stuff or not do the stuff, do the follow-up. So that's the five points. Neutrality, listen, 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 come up with a solution that is focused by both people willing to commit to that. If you don't know the answer, follow up get the answer, and then follow up on this whole situation. And that's very similar to how you structure a talk as well. You know, you want to make sure that your opening is the right opening. So it doesn't fall on, you know, deaf ears or the audience doesn't get lost in translation, or like you say, get their backup immediately. And then there's a lot of listening in the sense of speaking, there's a lot of sharing of information and engaging the audience. So that's what that would be. And then some type of a solution, which in the speaking world, it's a call to action. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very similar pattern, but I think we forget how closely related they are. And it's not what you say, it's how you're going to frame your messaging, like you already indicated. Yeah. I learned from examples early on, that neutrality is really important. When I was a manager in intensive care, this person was sick a while and they decided to terminate her. That was not my decision. I was told I had to terminate her because of her sick time, but nobody did any research. Nobody asked her her opinion. It had to be turned over. If I can give you a good example of how you have an awkward conversation but you build on that trusting relationship. When my husband and I had ITRANS, we had seven offices across Canada and our St. Catherine's office was in jeopardy of closing down. Wow. And so he and I drove out to St. Catherine's. We shared that announcement with the staff. Each one of us took a couple of the staff and had one-on-one conversations. And I had this conversation with one person. He was a single breadwinner for the family. So he was the sole person earning money. His wife was on maternity leave. They had two 10-month-old twins, right? And I knew that about him. And so I told him about our situation and I said, We don't know if we're going to need to shut down, but we will keep you all informed. What do you need me to tell you? And when do you need me to tell you? And I mean, I knew this person. I was part of his hiring process. I would check in with him regularly and knew about his family. And you know what he said to me? He said, Hilda, you know me. I trust you to know when the right time is to tell me. So that's a difficult conversation we had, but Mm -hmm. that conversation wasn't so difficult 
because we had created a trusting relationship. That's why I'm saying, yes, all these points make sense. But imagine how awkward that conversation would be if there was this us versus them mentality, you know, they're just going to fire us tomorrow. They're never going to tell us anything kind of stuff. Wow. Hilda Gann is my guest today, by the way. We're having a great conversation about how to have difficult conversations and wow, some phenomenal nuggets and tools there. Now you have a guide that helps people through this. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I should really help people with a guidebook. So I have a free guide called the excerpt version, but the guide is Be Brave, a guide to having difficult conversations with confidence. And so in the guidebook, I outline those five things. We give examples. We talk about communication effectively. So you can get the free version as the excerpt, or you can have the guidebook where you actually have exercises that help guide you to be more confident in having difficult conversations. And both of those are available on your website. We'll yes. make sure we put the links in yeah, the chat sure. as well. The link to your podcast will be in there as well. Let's talk about the podcast, actually. You're embarking on, again, the recording of this is the 25th of May, 2022, and you're embarking on your third season. What brought you to the podcasting world to begin with? I think of all the genres of doing writing blogs and stuff, I can speak off the cuff. I'm very confident. I have a wealth of knowledge over the years. I always wanted to be an educator. So I've been educating since I was in my 20s. Speaking comes naturally to me, timing my talks, connecting with audiences. Because I have the healthcare background, I was a nurse, I was in the IT world, the engineering world. I learn by talking to people and learning so much. And I impart that knowledge in ways that connect with people. So I felt that doing a podcast would be a natural thing. And I was doing webinars during COVID. I actually did... 30 webinars to help HR and businesses know how to navigate the people side. And they're on my website so people Mm. can learn about difficult conversations and how to motivate and how to know about the mental health issues. So a host of 30 conversations. And I was approached by a company who was producing and wanted to do a podcast but they didn't want to host it. I said, wow, so what are you doing now? He said, well, we're looking for a host because the first one didn't quite work out during the pilot. And I said, wow, I'd be interested because I was biting my tongue to say, I'd be interested in doing it. (laughs) And they said, oh, we thought you'd be too busy. I said, oh, no, I'd not be too busy for this. So seasons one and two, great learning experience with them. And then we decided that I think from a return on investment, they weren't getting people to come and sign up and it was video for them. And so it made sense. And I wasn't telling people that I was an HR expert. So they didn't even know that I had all these knowledge bits I could share. So season three now is my company and my producer doing it. And we're focusing on struggles and successes of entrepreneurs, business leaders, including HR leaders, and giving tips and strategies about HR, little anecdotes from each of my guests about some of those things that have been, you know, a concern for them from an HR perspective. So I'm looking forward to this next version 3.0 of Rev Up Your Potential. 
Well, congratulations on the success of the podcast in season three and continuing on with that. And as I said, we'll make sure that link is in the podcast as well. It's been a great opportunity chatting with you today, Hilda. I've learned a lot about, wow, those difficult conversation pieces I think were huge. I think everyone at some point either goes through them or if they're in the right position or in a management position, rather, they have to have them sometimes with people. Before I let you go, though, while I still have you here, final thought that you'd like to impart to the audience? You know, I've given you tips and strategies on difficult conversations. They're not going to get easier unless you practice. Mm -hmm. I had to remind myself why it's so difficult because I've been dealing with it. I haven't shunned away from a difficult conversation. So they don't seem so difficult anymore, but I've had decades of practice now. So even though you have my handy guidebook, if you want it, or you've heard my five tips, you need to practice. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. The critical point is just figure out the opening line, start from a place of neutrality to keep the conversation open. That's my advice for everybody. Hilda, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much again for being my guest today on Speaking of Speaking. Thanks for having me, Carl. I've enjoyed it. And I do hope that it helps somebody out there not have such a difficult conversation. (laughs) It's been a great conversation. I'm glad we had it finally, Hilda. Thanks so much. And remember, get out there and own the platform. Thanks for listening to the Speaking of Speaking podcast. Fired up about something you heard today? Want to learn more? Be sure to visit carlspeaks.ca and don't forget to follow Carl on Twitter at carlrichard72 or join the Facebook group Speaking of Speaking 